Welcome to Determined to Succeed. I'm your host, Dawn Malarney, also known as the Unique Connector. I'm so excited to have Greg on the podcast today. I should have hit record earlier because we had such a great conversation. Um, but Greg, I want to kick it off with when you hear des- it's not about the destination, it's about the journey. What are your thoughts that come right away when you hear that? That's something that took me a long time to understand, but I I really feel strongly about it. I was very path dependent. I was a really good student and the teachers tell you what to do to get the grade. You you need to complete this project. You need to write this paper. Then you're going to get to the next grade and eventually you're going to graduate from high school and you're going to go on to college. And then the professors tell you what to do and you're going to get that degree and then you'll have that degree. And then maybe you'll go on to the next, you know, graduate school, get the next degree And then you get that law degree and then life stops telling you there's no teacher anymore to tell you what to do. And that's Mm -hmm. really hard. And so you find yourself in a position where you thought getting that job out of law school was going to be the the destination. And then you would stay there hopefully your whole career and, and really, you know, you did what you needed to do. And, and then you start realizing there's so much more to life than what your job is, you know, and what degree you got. And, and you have to make it up as you go along. And then, so you do that for a while and you really struggle with that because no one's really telling you what to do. They're telling you what to do to help them. So you have a partner telling you as an associate, I need you to do this on that project, this on that project, but nobody's telling you how to be a good parent or how to fit in what the partners want you to do with all the other obligations or or things that you want to accomplish in life. And, and so you start, at least I did, I started really struggling with not having that overall vision anymore of what I was trying to accomplish. And then eventually you get to my age, you realize, you know what, I've been living... 59 years and never been in a quote destination. I mean, the journey has never stopped. It's always been a journey. And when I look back and right now is one of those times when I'm really enjoying the journey and I say, wow, this is, this is what you should be focusing on is, is, is how, how are you, are you enjoying the journey? How are you accomplishing that? The idea of success as something that you can acquire and then hold on to. I think that's, again, a misleading concept. I think success in the journey is an ongoing thing, and it requires you to change to be consistent with where you are in that journey. Well, I love that. And this is where, you know, some people may not know you, but some may know you. And you have quite the list of accomplishments and things that you've done over the years. And I love that you went back to, you know, the beginning part of it too, of just the milestones. And this is where I think being an attorney is always so interesting because you go to law school, you do all this hard work, you study and you memorize all these things and you understand law. And then all of a sudden you're kind of put into a law firm and it's kind of like you're running your own business now. And I felt like that's where sometimes even from law school to, you know, 
actually doing the job and being an attorney is something totally different even than what you even went to school for sometimes. Like, and that's where I think it's so interesting because your journey is still evolving, you know, through that process. And this is where you needed to add more tools into your toolbox in order to succeed as an attorney. Yeah, it, it was... It was fortuitous that I worked in, with a lot of family businesses. I worked my way through uh, undergrad, and then I took a break before I went to law school. And each business, each each business I worked for during that period was a family business. It was just by coincidence, but that experience really helped me uh, understand my practice now, which is working with family business owners. And, and that wasn't something I, I could have learned in law school. That was part of the journey though. And yeah. it didn't make any sense to me at the time. And now it makes a lot of sense. So that was kind of funny, but the other part of it really is, I think a law practice is like a, having your own business. And one of the things I always liked, I was looking for was a mentor, was a, a coach, a trainer, somebody to tell you what to do. As I mentioned with, with professors or teachers. And at this point in my life, I'm the person who's supposed to tell people what to do. <laughs> and so <laughs> I'm thinking there's nobody to tell me what to do. But yeah, that's a great thing that there's nobody to tell me what to do, but then how do I know what to do? Mm -hmm. And I find that now I'm free to collaborate with the younger attorneys and my colleagues in a way that that I think helps us all figure out what to do and with the clients. And I I, I think recognizing that there's no place you can look it up and just yeah. decide you know, find out, oh, that that's how you do it. And I say that as somebody who's written a book on family business yeah. planning. I know you can't read my book or any book and say, hey, now I get it. This is how we'll do it. Well, what it does is about creating a structure for working with your advisors, working with your family members, working with the other, with the employees. And and help having them collaborate in your journey. Because in, in family business succession planning, you really see the journey. And I've been, I've been practicing for 30 years. So I'm seeing a journey from some people who I saw as the young kid coming into the business. And now they're the CEO and they're trying to bring their own children into the business and they're going to retire. That's pretty cool. And that's, at this point, if I haven't realized that it's a journey, not a destination, I haven't been paying attention. <laughs> well, I love that. And I love too, that you, you know, even we're talking about how you took a break in between law school and family business. And so, you know, if you maybe didn't have that time, which you didn't really realize was maybe a little pivotal for you, you know, do you think was your plan to always kind of go into business succession planning and helping other businesses, larger businesses that are family businesses. Did you ever expect that that would be where your focus would be? No, it's no. funny. <laughs> no, I my mom named me Gregory because of Gregory Peck and To Kill a Mockingbird. So she uh -huh. obviously had this vision for me. 
my father went to my father grew up with, without any resources and and he got his BA from Marquette at night while he was working full time and also had three little kids and he got accepted to Georgetown Law School but couldn't find a job in DC he had to bring he would have had to bring the family and so there was always kind of this idea in the family that practicing law was was really a, a respectable thing almost a heroic thing and so I think my mother branded me with that and then I I also was attracted to fulfilling my father's my father's what I thought it was was his destiny but I also have a very creative side and mm -hmm. and I wondered how that would work out but then after being out in the world where I wasn't just wasn't sure what I was doing. We lived in San Francisco for a while. We lived in Hawaii. It was all really crazy fun, but I was a little bit unmoored, you know, away from that academic path and not having someone tell me what to do. So I like the idea of going back to law school for three years, knowing exactly what I was supposed to do. And I think my best experience or one of the best experiences I had in law school was I was elected as editor of the law review and wow. and that meant I was in charge of getting six issues of the law review out and we had a staff of I think that I'm trying to remember I think it was maybe 20 third year students and 20 20 22nd year students or 30 30 or whatever it was but that was the first time I was I had managed some businesses, like I, I ran a toy store in Hawaii on the beach. Oh, wow. I mean, that's my management experience. <laughs> when I was running the law review, it was a big deal, you know, and I, I had this, all these people who were very busy and um, I saw that they became really loyal to me because they saw my commitment and I was very grateful for the work that they were contributing as well. I mean, it was a pass fail. If you're on law review, you get your credit or whatever it is, pass fail. And they knew I wasn't going to withhold their credit. And yet I would have people coming up to me and saying, hey, I finished my project. Do you need any help with any other projects? Does anybody, that was so humbling an experience. So I think that's been in the back of my mind. Then after I graduated and I became an associate and I thought about, when when I'm running my practice, how I, I wanted to to bring my colleagues along and my my junior colleagues along. And and I'm just blessed with the opportunity to be able to do that. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you're a great leader. And that's where it's all about collaboration and you know, helping mentor the younger or even mentor the older sometimes too, when they're in that phase where you were just saying too of you know, the mentee and mentor, you know, sometimes we have to switch hats when sometimes we don't always realize that where we even sometimes have to take advice from younger individuals, even my son, you know, we were talking about our kids earlier. And, you know, so I love that you have that open-mindedness because not everybody does. The, uh, probably it arises somewhere out of a belief that I just don't have all the answers. Mm -hmm. And at this point, I, I'm best at collaborating. And so sometimes the world throws a kind of a 
humorous little joke at you or something to say, this isn't all random. And I don't know. I, I, I would love to have a guru, somebody sitting at the top of a mountain who I could go and ask all of those questions, but I haven't yet um, found that. So I don't really know what's going on, but here's an example. I had a law professor at UW Law School named Tom Pillay. So as a, he was on the faculty as a professor, he kind of, you know, told us what to do, right? So years later, now his son is my colleague here oh. in my group, my team member, my best friend at work, and is my successor, basically, David Play. And his, David's got a resume you wouldn't believe. But the day he walked in the door, I started asking him his advice on things. I mean, he had been out for about four years and done, worked at big firms, and then he clerked for a, a federal judge. So he came to me, I mean, with with some experience, but as soon as he walked in, I started asking him, you know, what do you think about this case? Let me describe it to you. And, you know, and not just the legal opinion, but really one of the harder parts is how do we make this family happy? I mean, how do we get everybody? Because my approach to family business is that it's not a contest, it's a puzzle. Like the, the point of it isn't to become the CEO and lord it over your brothers and sisters, because you might become the CEO. That might not be your, your right job. If I had a job with my family, I don't know if I would want to be the CEO. I might want a more creative position. Yeah. And I think when you can turn the conversation away from who's going to be the successor to how are we all going to fit in in this group? and bring our best selves. All right, now I'm going to go off in a totally different direction. And you're going to, even by just hit the, hit the, you no. know, the stop button on it. But I've been talking recently with my kids about why zombie movies are so popular still. I mean, it's yeah. been a long time and it just doesn't seem to go away. And this is what I think. I think that there's something attractive that people find in the idea of a reboot after some event where society breaks down and now I don't have to be an accountant anymore because I have carpentry skills and I would have loved to have been a carpenter, but life took me in a different direction. Bam, zombie apocalypse happens. Now I can use my carpentry skills because nobody needs an accountant. Yeah. And they do need people to build shelters or build walls or, or whatever that is. And, you know, maybe I'm, I don't know, maybe I'm in sales, but I really wanted to to be a farmer or I'm a I'm a gardener. And and now after the zombie apocalypse, nobody needs sales anymore, but everybody really needs me because I'm so good raising vegetables, you know? Yeah. And I think that's part of it. And then the the part two that you always have these group of disparate, not related parties coming together and then saying, hey, this is a puzzle. You know, we're not every one of us is going to be the leader of the group. If we were all fighting over who's the leader or the best one with the weapons or whatever, nothing would get done. How, what would we eat? Where would we live? And so they all come together and they figure out, oh, you can do that. You can do that. You're great at that. And they, they all value one another. 
maybe I'm overreading it. I was a film student in undergrad. So, I, I mean, I'm bringing some of those analysis skills. But, but I do think that's one of the attractions there. But that's something that we can do. We can, if we think of our, sometimes think of our work family as that kind of unit. And we, we respect everything that everybody's contributing to that. Um, that's a that's a much better result than just having a contest over who over who's the CEO and everybody gets table scraps. Yeah. Well, and I, it kind of goes back to the beginning of how we've all had an interesting journey. You know, sometimes we don't always realize some of the experiences or things that we were got, you know, got different perspectives from really help ingrain who the person we are. And sometimes we don't always have that opportunity. And that's where I love that you're leading from a different perspective. And I haven't heard the zombie perspective before, but I do love that because it's true. You know, it's like, I think of certain things where different opportunities. And if I didn't have certain leaders, like to even my old boss, Dan, who saw insights in me and wanted my perception, for like my perception on things and wanted my advice and would bring me to meetings such as meetings with you, you know, and I think that's where it's just like, I hopefully the listeners are listening of how to lead and to think differently outside the box. And you've brought up a couple of times how you're very creative. And some people may sometimes only think, oh, attorney. So this is like the box you're in where we've all been on a different journey and we all have different things that we can bring to the table. And that's where I love too, that you're bringing that, you know, thoughts up for family businesses, because it's like finding the right seat on the bus. It doesn't always make sense for the daughter or the son to become the CEO. Maybe it's better if they're over here and they're in the marketing department for Pete's sake or over here. And, you know, it's maybe not exactly what the plan was, but maybe in the end, the business will flourish even more if they're in the right seat. Yeah. And I, I find that working with young people now is really requires us to understand that they grew up in a situation that was very different from the boomers or even Gen X. And that is that for the first time, I think it's a generation of young people who knew more than their parents about something important. So when I grew up, if you needed to know how to fix the car, change a tire, cook a meal, your parent had to tell you how to do that. And you brought absolutely nothing to the, the table. <laughs> you were explaining to them, even to play, yeah. play sports or whatever it was. But this generation, now the younger generation, they've grown up in a situation where they've understood technology, a really important part of our life better than their parents have, even from a very young age, we've been conferring with them. You know, you're conferring with your eight-year-old about, yeah, I just bought this $500 phone. Can you show me how this works? You know, that builds a lot of confidence in them. And so uh, hopefully they bring that confidence into the workplace. We should respect that confidence. And also, you know what? I still need that kind of insight. And, and, and they're aware of, uh, uh, of all, how to use all of this technology, but also they have access to elements of culture that we don't necessarily understand. I mean, when I was growing up, there were three networks on television. And it was really easy to stay on top of culture. You just, you know, watch those three stations and listen to the top 40 radio station and you, you knew what was going on. 
yeah. now it's it's all over the place and yeah. so it, it's hard to stay in touch without actually having young people working with you can can help you out with with culture as well as technology so i i really respect their opinion Mm, well, I love that. And that's where I even think too, you know, even for, I realized the time it is already, um, I could talk to you all the time. Um, you know, what's even something that, you know, for the listeners, one piece of advice that they should all think about how to show up as the best leader or something that you even have learned over the years that someone impacted you and why you've been such a great leader. Well, I mean, I don't, I mean, I don't know if I'm a great leader. I think that I found some people who are really special and I I guess what I would say is if you can't do a trust fall I mean every day with the people you are leading then you either have the wrong people or you're not providing the right leadership mm. and I do I mean I everything I do anything I accomplish it's because of the people working with me. I'm sure there are individuals out there who can do it all on their own. I can't. And I think it's more fun to do with other people. Yeah. Mm. Well, I love that piece of advice. And and I appreciate you taking the time to talk with me because I know you're a very busy man and you're making ripples, you know, for so many businesses out there. And so I appreciate you and keep bringing your words of wisdom and your guidance to the world because you need to shine a little bit brighter more to everybody. So I appreciate you, Greg, and so glad that we met years ago. So thank you. I'm so glad you uh, have this podcast. I listened to it and I learned things from it. I really do. Mm. And I really appreciate the opportunity to, to be on here with you. Thank you so much. Mm. Well, thank you, Greg.